a new exhibition invites you to think more deeply about those large woven plastic carry-all bags that have been used to transport and store stuff around the world for years. The mass-produced bags come in fetching combinations of red, white and blue and red, black and white plaid patterns. Weaver and visual artist Catherine Chu and her mother Doris have recreated these patterns as cross-stitched, wall-mounted artworks for the Armagh Bags Project, Armagh being what the bags are called in Hong Kong. The works are about to be exhibited as part of the Threads Textiles Festival in Wellington. We have pictures of them on our webpage. Do take a look, rnz.co.nz slash standingroomonly. Well, Catherine says she started weaving just a few years ago when she moved to the Coromandel. To be honest, I was looking for a um, something creative I could do that I could stop and start because we had a three-year-old daughter or four. I just found a loom on Trade Me and just started from there. Absolutely self-taught. Is this the YouTube self-taught or the experimentation self-taught? It's the YouTube generation of crafting. (laughs) (laughs) So many. But what a fantastic resource. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, my mum was always knitting or cross-stitching or sewing our outfits when we were kids. So I was definitely influenced by my mum being a maker. That brings us to this project that you collaborated on. And what a time-consuming and beautiful project to work on. First of all, I thought, because it wasn't a phrase that I was aware of, but the bags, these shopping bags, tell us about them. Well, these bags are um, super common. They're in $2 shops and, yeah, you can find them all over the world. Um, But my dad is from Hong Kong, so he calls them Ama bags, which refers to Amas, which are domestic servants. And because mum was such a great cross-stitcher, I saw this pattern and I looked at the pattern and I was like, oh, this this would translate really well into a cross-stitch. And so <laughs> mum doesn't really understand why we did it, but I was like, can we try <laughs> to translate this, you know, this plaid? I couldn't find if it was a tartan or a plaid. I couldn't attribute it to a clan, so we're calling it a plaid. This pattern... Um, I said, let's try and cross-stitch it. So she she started one, I started one, and then we've done a third one. Um, So we've done the whole collection, the black bag, the blue bag, and the red bag. Yeah, and it did take a while. I tried to get mum to log her hours, just I was really interested in the time it took to cross-stitch and sort of the hidden hours of the handmade. I think we recorded over 240 hours. I also went across and counted the stitches in the cross, and I I think I counted over 27,000 stitches between the three cross stitches. That's a labour of love. And when, you, when you're talking about turning something mass-produced into something handcrafted and an artwork, that's quite remarkable. I mean, are you, through this, are you, what, encouraging us to, to look in a different way at things that are mass-produced? Or what are the ideas that you're exploring here? I think some of the ideas were just like this connection between domestic craft, like stitching, um, embroidery, and domestic labour through the um, Armagh bags, sort of this sort of evolved as we we're working on it, but also, yeah, the mass produced versus the handmade and the time difference between handmade craft and objects and clothing versus mass produced, like these $2 shop bags. Yes, yeah, so I was considering the factor of time, the factor of labour, um, and also just this idea that a lot of domestic crafts that women do to relax sort of also reflect on our um, the female role in domestic labour, the hidden labour that we, we do um, as women. I think um, the UN has released a report about um, 
women in general do three times as many hours of unpaid domestic work and care work than men. And so I, I started looking at these this data as we were doing the project as well. You said at the start your mum was a little unsure, but she got involved. You know, she clearly put her whole heart and soul into this. How does she feel about it now? It, I was really afraid I'd put her off cross-stitching from doing this project, but she's used to doing quite small-scale um hand stitch cards and um, that's my job and she hadn't really worked in this big scale before I think when she saw them all framed up on the wall um she was quite amazed at at them yeah usually um therefore handmade gifts and things like that or craft stalls so yeah it was definitely taking her craft and um exposing it to another audience in an art gallery up on a white wall Coromandel Peninsula, beautiful place for weaving. When you're weaving, you're coming up with your designs. Um, what other things do you like to explore? I have been working a lot with data, like um, child poverty rates and inequality rates and incorporating that into the pattern of the weaving. Yeah, in relation to the armour bags, I am interested in everyday objects and um, patterns that we have around us and how they have more a bit deeper meaning, perhaps. My instant thought was maybe graphs, but then I'm old-fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> Data no, comes in many but... different ways now. But... <laughs> yeah, so with that, it was kind of, it was more like the ratio of one and five was communicated in the pattern in the colourway or the colours throughout these little placemats that we did, um, and that was for the Dars Art Museum, actually just beginning of the pandemic. And, of course, child poverty rates have increased because of covid but yeah, so it was like blocks of colour and the proportion of one and five was repeated in the pattern. What about the cut when you're working on a piece like that, which has politics and art side by side, if you like, yeah. a political statement, What the colours must be really important. Now, of course, as a weaver, you have access to, to so many colours. But what yeah. did you decide on for that work, given that you had a message here? Yeah, so with that one, I used more environmental kind of ideas for the material. So dead stock, denim, cotton, um, soy, silk rather than proper silk, and a linen that um, a friend, Lizzie Leakey, um, hand spun for me. So, yeah, I was thinking about the environmental as well with that work. But a recent work, which I did with about inequality, I used really neutral, gender neutral colours. So greys and beiges and yellows. So in that work, I did incorporate colour, but more as a signifier or a symbol. I'm going to ask you about soy silk, because I have not heard about that before. Soy silk is a byproduct of the soy industry. It's quite a sustainable material to use. And I actually saw some in Northland. I can't find it anymore. And I was just interested in it being a material a byproduct, whereas with silk, of course, there's like silkworms that are killed and um, I didn't really want to go there. But yeah, again, it sort of links a little bit to my heritage of being Chinese. What was it like to work it with was, the soy silk? It's super fine and um, it's in kind of an off-white colour. And because it was, it was very fine, I was used to working with wools previously. Of course, it made my that work really fine. But yeah, I'm quite interested to do some cross-stitch or something more stitching project with the soy silk. I know also when you have been using, say, yarns, this environmental mm. practice, Catherine, is really important to you. So what you've looked for, vintage yarns and True. discontinued yarns as well, that sort of thing. Where do you yeah. access them? Yeah. Is it trade me? Is it op shops? 
sometimes trade me, sometimes op, sometimes op shops, and um, also I try and source my yarns from a, a textile mill in Napier and New Zealand growing um, fibres and things like that. Your looms, yeah. you have two floor looms and a table loom, Catherine, and I'm thinking are they in a way as personal as a musical instrument, you know what I mean, that you might yeah. try one floor loom and it works for you and another one and for yeah. some reason it doesn't work for your body or, you know, yeah. your style of weaving. Have you have you found that? That's, that's actually really true. So one I stand at, so it's a standing um, loom, and one I sit at and they're both quite different. Yeah, they feel like picking up two or driving two different cars. I think weavers do have quite a personal connection to their looms. Yeah, each loom will kind of have a different project for me. Yeah, I, I really love the looms that I've got. And um, one came to me through Trade Me and another one came to me through word of mouth who was wanting to clear out their um, their space because floor looms are quite big and they were just really happy to give it to another weaver. So there's a lot of generosity between weavers, I, I think. Is rhythm important? When I was watching uh, some Harris Tweed weavers on the Isle of Lewis, they were only actually on a bike because these bolts they're creating are like the, <laughs> the size yeah. of a garage. So, yeah. But they often yeah. have music and it's kind of, yeah. there's a certain rhythm to it because yeah. this is how looms work best is it is, yeah. I mean do you have a sense of rhythm do you think also when you're weaving yeah once you kind of learn the pattern or you, and embody the pattern you start you just start counting and knowing the pattern and the body starts remembering it. it's like muscle memory and um you do get into a rhythm I I don't really listen to music I usually listen to podcasts when I when I weave but um it's definitely rhythmical and also the setting up of the loom can take you know one to two days the actual warping and setting up the pattern is quite time intensive and that's when I actually need total silence <laughs> and there's not much rhythm <laughs> there's more like very intense concentration so it was really interesting doing a cross stitch project because it was so immediate I could just start stitching and see the pattern evolve whereas with a loom you have to set up the pattern thread the loom with the warp and check the pattern and then start weaving it's quite process driven and time intensive um, loom weaving. Catherine, you've exhibited around the country different galleries, but I wonder what it means to you as an artisan to have a festival devoted to textiles, the Thread Festival. I mean, it's just, to me, it's a, it's a beautiful idea. Um, but what does it mean to you as a practitioner? I think it's brilliant because um, I think New Zealand has such a strong history. Most cultures have such a strong history with thread and fabric and weaving and textile. So to have it be part of this festival and have so many different artists and exhibitions involved in Wellington is is just really um, validating and also just really refreshing to see how different contemporary makers use those sorts of mediums in different ways. And what are you working on at the moment? Is it another three-year project? You and your mum collaborating (laughs) again? (laughs) I've had quite a slow start to the year, but... um, I'm hopefully working on a project for Auckland Museum. But I actually love weaving things like tableware that's really accessible and small objects and really um, usable. So, yeah, I I thought I'd start the year doing that. Catherine Chu, she's one of the artists whose work can be seen in the Soft Landing Group show at Page Gallery in Wellington. It's part of the Threads Textile Festival that in turn is part of the Aotearoa New Zealand Festival of the Arts.